0: For our lesson this morning, the scripture reading will come from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, and verse 19. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bibles, we'll be on page 1084. That's 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, and verse 19. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins beloved if god so loved us we also ought to love one another verse 19 we love him because he first loved us
1: good morning it is good to see each of you if you're a guest again we welcome you it's good to be together this morning being the warm together and it's an encouragement to us that you're here and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you we're excited about this coming Sunday as we approach this coming Sunday, we have Missions Emphasis Sunday, and that's an important day for us for a lot of reasons. Let me remind you a few things that we really try to accomplish all of these on Missions Emphasis Day. Number one, we wanna be sure and inform all the congregation of the work that's being done around the world through the funds that you give and through your involvement and your encouragement, your prayers. And with that, we want to invite everyone in the congregation to participate in whatever ways that you are able to participate. It may be helping send someone. It may be going on a mission trip yourself or et cetera. But on this day, it gives us all an opportunity to learn and to be invited. Also on this day, from springing out of this day, we want to encourage our missionaries. And so some of your Bible classes this morning will talk about ways that you are going to be invited to encourage missionaries. And other Bible classes the following week after we uh, will talk about ways that you will be doing that. And then fourth, we want to just plant seeds. We want to be reminded and we want to plant the seeds so that everybody can know what is taking place and what is it that you could do maybe you're a young person and maybe you hear these reports and you think you know what i could go and do mission work like that maybe you're not a young person but yet you think you know i want to make a transition in my life we hope that missions day is a time that we stop and think soberly and seriously about mission work and then uh Finally, but very important, we mentioned that it's a day that we want to spend time in prayer, but also we want to encourage everyone on that day to know our missionaries and to pray for them. And so we hope that that's accomplished next Sunday. We hope that you look forward to it and we hope that all of us will be prayerful that everything will come out of that day that God would want to come out of that day. Also, let me remind you... Uh, there has been a change in the 2nd through 5th grade young ladies serving Christ. The banquet was this afternoon. Uh, Due to the weather, it's been postponed and it will be next Sunday at 4 o'clock. Next Sunday at 4 o'clock. Love all. This command to love God with all of your being and then to love your neighbor as yourself Is a big command right now if you came up to me and said David will you please give me a million dollars you know what my answer would be right and maybe you know why my answer would be no I don't have a million dollars to give you we cannot give something we do not have now think about it I could say oh I wish I could give you a million dollars and I could really mean it oh I wish I could we can't give what we do not have Where do you get the love to love God with all of your being? Where do you get the love to give others love? Whether they're family members, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, even enemies. Where does that love come from in order that you first could receive it, then give it? I'd like for you to notice In 1 John, the fourth chapter, three verses very quickly. Verse 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is described many ways, many attributes, but it's interesting to say the way John says it here is not God loves. Now, it is true God does love, but that's not the way he says it here. Here he says, God is love. If I'm going to really know God, one of the things that I must know is I must know God's love. Why? Well, let's skip down to verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In other words, it's the example of how God loves us that we learn, we receive knowledge on how then to give and show and express love to others. But then notice finally in verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. We receive this love, so now if we choose to receive it, now some people choose to reject the love of God. But if we choose to receive the love of God, now that we receive the love of God, we can love God with all of our being. Since we receive the love of God, we have received this love and been taught how to love others. Listen, what we're talking about here is is not something light. And even though someone say, well, that's simple to understand, it's very fundamental. You and I can set out on an emotional journey and say I'm going to love God based on how I feel at the moment or I'm going to love others based on how I feel at the moment or we can set out in a true deep relationship that says I'm going to love the way God has loved me I'm going to love others the way God has loved me and loved others and that is huge speaking of huge how big is God's love right now how, how would you answer that if someone came to you and genuinely wanted to know, can, can you please quantify in some way how big is God's love, what would your answer be? It's hard to quantify something that, that you can't weigh, that, that you can't measure, that you can't put in some form of volume, or that we can't give some kind of numerical expression to, or, or at least some kind of monetary. Hey, how great is His love? Oh, His love is worth a million dollars. How do you describe how big, how great, how wonderful God's love is? Well, that got me thinking, and I thought about some big things, and I thought about my trip to Yosemite, and wow, those trees are big. My kids actually thought I was crazy. I kept staring at them. They, They finally went, Dad, can we go? Have you lost your mind? I just, it was amazing. Or I don't know if this is actually Photoshop, but whether it is or isn't, that's a big dog. And, and when you think, how big is God's love? I can tell you this, it's bigger than that dog. It's even bigger than this motorcycle. It's even bigger than the world's largest indoor swimming pool at Alberta, Canada, that's five acres large. It's bigger and, 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 and more complex than this interstate exchange on I-10 in Houston, Texas. It's bigger than the world's biggest excavator built in Germany, 10 stories high, over 700 feet long. Or it's bigger than the biggest outdoor swimming pool. That's right. On the left is actually a man-made swimming pool in Chile and a resort. 66 million gallons of water. The deep end is 115 feet deep. It cost a billion dollars to make, to build. Two million dollars a year to maintain. That's big. It pales in comparison. How would you measure? How would you describe God's love? I love this next one. It's one of the largest systems of caves in the world. And it's just discovered back a few years ago by explorers in Britain, they, they came over to Vietnam and a local said, well, I can, I can show you a pretty large cave. And this local farmer took them over and they crawled in this cave and, and it is parts of it are a thousand feet high. That little beam on the bottom right hand, that's a man standing on top of, of a rock and, and it's a thousand feet high and it's three miles long. Listen, if you can say how tall, how deep, how what's the breadth of God's love? Listen, all of these things pale in comparison. Perhaps you think you've got a large screen TV. Perhaps you think the video screen in the Dallas where the Dallas Cowboys play is large. Look, in 2014 in Brazil, they built a huge football soccer stadium and they decided to make all one side of it a video screen, 60 feet tall, 560 feet long. You know, to all of that, if you want to give a big thumbs up, that's what a guy, Andy Warhol, wanted to do. In Paris, he made a 40 feet tall sculpture of his own thumb. And isn't it neat that the highest statue in the world is Christ the Redeemer in Brazil. It stands at around 12 to 13 stories high and 92 feet in width. How big is God's love? If you were going to try to measure, if you were going to try to explain it, I think maybe A.W. Tozer said it as best as it could be said by man. He said, I can no more do justice to this awesome and wonderful field topic than a child can grasp at a star. Still, by reaching toward the star, the child may call attention to it and even indicate the direction one must look to see it. And so I stretch my heart toward the high shining love of God so that we may be encouraged to look up and have hope. Today, I hope you and I can come to appreciate the love of God even more. Because it's so big and it's so great. And it has such a powerful effect in people's lives who set out on a journey to diligently know God. Remember, if you're going to know God, you have to know love. Because God is love. I'm reminded of Paul's words in Romans 15 and verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. There's an Old Testament story that I believe one of the reasons this story is recorded is God wanted us to learn about His love. There's many ways to show love, to express love, but it's interesting that God decided to take a man named Hosea and and give him direction in his life to say, Hosea, this is what I want you to do with your life. And it's gonna be a difficult path. And there's probably gonna be a lot of people that think you're really strange and weird. But I want you to do this. Why, God? Why do you want me to do this? This is hard. This is strange. Because I want to show the world through Israel how much I love them. What does my love look like? And so we have this story, and if you want to turn in your Bibles, if you want to read along, let's look at I, Hosea, the first chapter. Hosea, the first chapter, verse 1, gives an introduction that God is going to speak to Hosea, and so he does in verse 2. Hosea, the first chapter, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, go. Take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Isn't it interesting that the word Hosea, the name Hosea means salvation, helper, deliverer, rescuer, isn't it interesting that he, in a sense, is going to be a representation, a type of God, if you will, a representation of God, to say, "I want to show people what I look like, what my love does." And then he points out, "I'm going to have you to go, and I'm going to have you to take a wife of harlotry. Why? Because that's what the land is doing to me right now. Israel, that's supposed to be my people, are no longer committed to me as my people. Instead, they have split their allegiance and they have been unfaithful to me. They have committed spiritual adultery, and I want to show them how much I love them. That's not our fleshly re- reaction to adultery, is it? Oh, my spouse is committing adultery, and I want to show them how much I love them. That's usually not our reaction. And perhaps this is the reason God uses this, is to help us see that His love for us, that He gives us and He expects us to give back, is not a fleshly type of love. It's not a natural reaction. It's something that we must learn. It's something that we only would acquire if we are people that are devoted to God and seeking to become more like Him each day. I'd like for you to just imagine with me for just a moment. And and by the way, we'll go ahead and throw this out. Sometimes, what is amazing in Scripture is the brevity and the way a story is told that would have had intense emotion, and yet it is seemingly purposefully recorded with no emotion. And that's kind of what we see in this story. The brevity of it. In other words, he told him to go. In the very next words, we're going to see him going. But can you imagine what was between those two things? Here's Hosea, a man, a man full of emotions, probably a man that was full of dreams. If you could have gone up to him before this and said, Hey, Hosea, what, what, what are you planning for your life? And you can imagine this godly young man that, that, that's going to uh, be a prophet for God. You can imagine him saying, Oh, I tell you what, I'm keeping my eyes open for, for the perfect godly young lady. I'm looking forward to that companionship for life. I'm looking forward to walking through life together. I'm looking forward to it. What would you say, God? God, I'm willing to obey you, but I'm not doubting you. I'm just asking you because I'm sure I must have misunderstood you. Now, will you say that again, God? God, run that by me one more time. You want me to do what? God, you're serious? Okay, now is not where you're going to say, oh, no, no, I I was just getting your attention. Now let me teach you a lesson. You, You really... You really want me to go and take that immoral woman? The woman that her reputation in town is marred. Do you realize what that's going to do to my reputation? Do you realize the talk that's going to go on? Do you realize that wasn't my dream for life? God, is this, is this really, really what you want me to do? Verse 3, so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diplom, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. Isn't it interesting that his name meant salvation and he was going to show what God was doing and the beginning began with the word go. Christ left heaven to go to earth to save us. And now if you and I are concerned about souls, we also hear the great commission that begins with the same word, go. And notice his response. It's recorded in scripture this simple. So he went. And what did he do? He found this this woman who was immoral. And he took her to be his wife because God said go and God said do it. And so they conceived, and she bore him. Notice the wording there is important. She bore him a son. They had a child together. This is their son. And God said, I want you to name him a name that has great meaning because the children in this story are going to have great meaning in their names. Jezreel is the idea of, of scattering. And so it could be the idea of God sowing, seeds being sown, but probably here at the first part, it's the idea of God. scattering why because in this book of Hosea what we see is a beautiful balance of Hosea speaking to the northern kingdom in a way that he's familiar with them and he loves them and he's somewhat patient with them but he is also blending that balance in a beautiful way of appreciation for God for God's righteousness God's judgment and God's justice. And so here's a nation that had become very affluent. Here's a nation that had done well financially. And what do we tend to do when we do well financially, America? We tend to move away from God. And we tend to think that all of these things is what you trust in. And so now Hosea is is the mouthpiece for God and literally a living example to say, I want to call you back. You're committing adultery out here with me spiritually. And I want to call you back. But I need you to know something. As beautiful as my expression of love is going to be, it's not going to change my righteousness. I love you, but you're going to have to turn away from righteousness. Because there is a judgment to come and justice will be rendered. The only way that you're going to benefit from my love is allowing me to redeem you. Allow me to bring you back into my family again. And so here's this, this first child is is named after God scattering. In other words, God saying, if you don't want to come back to me, I can scatter you. I can raise up a nation right now. I'll raise up Babylon. And I'll let them come over. And I'll let them destroy you. I will allow a remnant to be taken back. I will allow you to be scattered if you do not want to be mine. By the way, if you want to tie some passages together, if you go back and read Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, All of Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, was the blessings and the cursings that God told them back years ago as a nation to say, if you you listen to my commandments and, and obey them... These are all the ways that I'm going to bless you as a nation. But if you choose to not listen to my commandments, here's all the ways that that you are going to be cursed. You're going to have terrible things happen in your life individually and as a nation. And all these things are coming true. And so even the name of Jezreel is is a part of that God scattering. But notice, if you will, in verse 6, she conceived again and she bore a daughter. Do you see what's missing there? If you look back up in verse 3, she bore whom? A son. In verse 3 she bore him a son. But in verse 6 what did she do? She bore a daughter. Why isn't it? Why isn't it his daughter? Well, you probably know why it isn't his daughter. He married a harlot and she's already gone back to her ways of immorality. And so now there's a second child born, but the problem is the conception wasn't from him, from Hosea. And so now he's got two children at home to look after and One is his and, and one is not. And so the name of this one is Rohamiah, and, and from that is the, 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 the prefix lo is, it means no. And notice, for I will have no longer have mercy on the house of Israel. But then notice there in verse 9 is another child, Loamia and Loamia again the lo means no and notice it says I will not be your God why the, pre- pre- the sentence before that or the phrase before that for you are not my people that's a pretty difficult name to name your child isn't it God what, what do you want us to name this third child Hosea go ahead and name that third child it's not my child go ahead and name it that because it's not How would you do right now being Hosea? How would you feel? How would you deal with that? Are you getting a picture of what God's love is? Because God is allowing all this to happen in Hosea's life to be able to say, I want you to get some kind of picture of what my love is like. And this is what my love is like. My love is like a man who goes and and takes a bride that she doesn't deserve to be his bride. And then when you think, wow, she's going to take advantage of this wonderful blessing in her life to have such a great husband, and instead she runs out into immorality and just keeps bringing babies back home for him to look after. And you say, who would live like that? Who Who would practice that kind of love. Let's go to the second chapter. And, and by the way, in the second chapter, is kind of a mixture of talking about Hosea, but then it'll just bleed right over into talking about... God and Israel. And and in this lesson's sake, we don't have time to decipher it, so just notice as we read It's in in a sense, it's one and the same because God's using Hosea and Gomer to show the relationship with God and Israel. Look at verse 2. Bring charges against your mother. Bring charges, for she's not my wife, nor am I her husband. See, she's left him. Let her put away her harlotries from her side and her adulteries from between her breasts. Skip down to verse 5. For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully, For she said, I'll go up after my lovers. Now this is after she's married him. She's still going to go up after my lovers who give me my bread and my water. See, they sustain me. My lovers do. Not my husband over here. Not my God of Israel. It's all these pagan gods that sustain me. My wool and my linens. Oh, Those are not just clothing. That's nice clothing. Oh, so it's my lovers that give me the nice clothing, my oil and my drink. Skip down to verse 13. I will punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense. She decked herself with earrings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she forgot, says the Lord. What would this look like on a daily basis? The brevity of the story doesn't tell us this, but it happened. And in it happening, there had to be some occasion, something like this. You, you study the text and you see what you think it looks like in your mind. Here's what it looks like in my mind. I can imagine him home taking care of the children. I can imagine him going to the marketplace and looking out at a nice house up on the hill. And I can imagine him seeing, that's that's Gomer coming out of that house. So that's where she stayed last night. That's that's where she's been huh wow look at the nice clothes I believe that's linen or that, that's nice wool that she has on we, we didn't buy that we don't have money to buy that you're at the marketplace you hear the whispers hey there's that guy you remember the silly one that thought he could marry a harlot and that it's gonna work out good. Look at him, he's getting groceries to take back home to her children. Silly guy. He must be a fool. Can you imagine what it was like to live day in and day out having, having devoted your life? Hosea, what do you want? I wanted a woman that would be committed to me. What do you got, Hosea? I step out each day and I just see who owns her now. And you know what She says, she flaunts it I put on my earrings and my jewelry and I go around and if this man can give me food and drink and linen and wool and oil and water I'll stay with him a while or then he may exchange me over here but you know what look how well I'm doing isn't that interesting the way sin always works at first, it looks so profitable. At first, it looks so good. You remember the old spiritual song, sin will take you further than you want to go, and it'll, it'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you're willing to pay. You see, at this point, she didn't realize. At this point, it's look how great it is for me because after all, I still have my youthful beauty. And when you're in prostitution, that's everything. What are you going to do when the men abuse you? What are you going to do when age and gravity catch up with you? What are you going to do, Gomer, when sin finds its way out in your life? Let's continue reading the third chapter, verse one. Then the Lord said to me, go again. Love a man who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery. Just love just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who looked to other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and one and a half homers of barley. Can you imagine that? God, God, Am I hearing you right again? You've told me in the past some things that's really hard to do. Am I hearing this right, God? What is it that you want me to do? And he said, I want you to go buy her back again. (laughs) Huh. What? Yeah. Because I'm showing Israel my love. And that's what I did when I sent Jesus. Jesus. I sent Jesus to redeem a people that had already left me again. Do we understand that kind of love? As we consider him buying her back, look at verse 2. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and one half homers of barley. I don't know how much a homer and a homer half of barley was worth, but I can tell you this, 15 shekels of silver. By this time, she must have become a servant who was of little worth because when you go back and read in Exodus, the 21st chapter, verse 32, you find out that the common slave, if was injured by an animal, that the person that owned the animal had to pay 30 shekels of silver to pay the owner for their servant. In other words, now here she is being sold and she's being sold for half of the price. For half of the price. What's happened? Her sins have found her out. Now when she was younger and she was worth more in the eyes of the lust-filled men, now she's not worth that. And they weren't in it for a relationship. They weren't in it for love. They were in it for love. And here is, here is God that loved Israel. Satan didn't love Israel, but he wanted to draw Israel into him. Here is Hosea. Hosea says, okay, God, you say love her, I'll love her. I'll commit my life to her. But Gomer would not stay there. And she came over into the lust-filled eyes and the arms of the men that once she aged, once they had abused her, she didn't sell but for about half the price. And again, the brevity of Scriptures doesn't tell us how this worked, but we know that when slaves were sold, they were brought before the ones who were doing the buying and the bidding. And we know that, that from historical accounts That typically slaves would be almost stripped naked Because keep in mind, you're buying property If you're going to take home a strong young man to work You want to know, has he had a broken leg in the past that hasn't healed well? Is he really strong? Let me see him Is he strong? If you're going to buy a servant to be a prostitute What do you want to see? Don't cover her up, show her to me I'm not going to buy her if I can't see her Imagine, here this woman is, that now life has not been kind to her because of the path that she has chosen. Can you imagine as she stared down at the ground, stood stripped, naked, before a crowd, and nobody bids. What do you do with property that won't sell? And that day and time they discarded it and oftentimes just took the life of them. And all of a sudden you're telling me there's one that says, "I'll bid." You're going to bid on her? She's trash. Who's going to bid? I will bid. Can you imagine her eyes? Can you imagine her eyes as that shameful gaze to the ground perhaps for the first time looks up to see who's bidding on me? It can't be. He would have me back. There's no way he would take me back. He would let me have a second chance. I've lived long enough to see this is horrible. He would let me come back home to my children. What would it have been like to see him go and pick up a weak lady? and say we're going home I do expect commitment out of you look at verse 3 I said to her you'll stay with me many days you shall not play the harlot nor shall you have a man so too I will be toward you Gomer I love you because God's told me to love you and I'm buying you back Because God's told me to buy you back And I want you to know I'm committed to you And I want to take you back home And your commitment has to be the same We're going to be in this together And we're going to do this together Can you imagine what that would have been like Now as the rumor spread through town Look, look See I told you Look, he's carrying her back home What is God trying to say? when I was a little boy and all the older kids would leave home mom would scoop me up and she would take me to her green rocking chair and there she would sing and she would tell me Bible stories but sometime in that experience every morning she would start kissing me and hugging me and she would say do you know how much I love you I don't remember a lot of things from my childhood, especially that young. But I remember that. Do you know how much I love you? I think about Gomer carrying, being carried back by Hosea. And I think about maybe there were some people mocking and laughing. But I can't help but think there also might have been some other people in that town that we're saying, I'd love to be loved like that. How awesome would it be to be loved like that? And so we ask the question, God, how much do you love us? And God says, I love you this much. And he says, if you see it and don't understand it, it's like this in Romans 5 and 8, but God demonstrates his own love to us that while we were still sinners... We were on the auction block and we have messed it all up. If we could buy ourselves back, we would. If somebody else could buy us back, perhaps they would, but nobody can buy our redemption except one. And God said, I'm gonna send a savior. His name's not gonna be Hosea, but it's a form of it. His name is gonna be Jesus. He's gonna be the savior. He's gonna rescue you. He's gonna step up to that auction block and he's gonna do what nobody else can do and he's gonna say, I'll buy them. And it's kind of like the prodigal son story. But Father, did you know all the things that I've done? I don't think you want to have me back. And instead, the father who sent his son to die for us literally comes running to us. He puts his head on our shoulder. He kisses us much. And he declares that we can be his children. If we do not know the love of God, we do not know how to love. We do not know how blessed our life is. We do not know how rich our life can be. We do not know how much hope that we can have for an eternity. Listen. We've been studying God's great expectations. And one of the great expectations that God has is God expects you to dig and to find out how much he loves you. And all through the scriptures, he does it different ways. He does it through Hosea. He does it through the cross. He does it through the story of the prodigal son and on and on. And what is he saying in all of this? He's saying, I love you. Please listen to me. I love you. So what are three lessons from Hosea? Number one, it helps me to better understand God's love when I better understand this story. It helps me to better understand how much God loves me, how much God loves you. It better helps us to understand how to love each other. Why would we love an enemy? Because God loved us while we were yet enemies, while we were ungodly, while we were without strength while we were sinners. All of that is found in Romans 5. And God loved us enough to demonstrate His love by giving Jesus. This morning, what could we do to help you respond to the love of God? Something this big demands a response. It would just be foolish to understand how much God loves you and just... Just go on living as if it's not true. It's true. He loves you. What's your response going to be? We want you, God wants you to choose Him. Devote your life to Him. He's worthy of it. If you're ready this morning to become a Christian, we'd love to assist you in that. Are you willing to repent of sins and choose God? Are you willing to choose Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are you willing to not be ashamed to confess that He's the Son of God? Are you willing to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? Maybe you've begun that journey and along the way you've lost sight of that journey and and you want to come forward and ask for prayers. If we can help you in any way, comes with